Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I'll be talking with Aaron Shea of the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. Aaron is a marketing genius, a talented journalist, and a true lover of the off-track thoroughbreds. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. So today I have Aaron Shea, who is the Marketing and Communications Manager at the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, which is a terrific group that kind of helps the aftercare organizations maintain a standard and also helps funders discover who are the best organizations that are providing this type of care, such an important part of the work of the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. And uh, as you guys know who've been listening to the podcast for quite a while, I wear two hats. I I run Horsewise and I also have worked with Lope and founded Lope for many years in Texas. So I just would like to welcome you, Aaron, Aaron, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm happy you are too. (laughs) I'm happy to be in Lexington. It's 100 degrees now in Texas, so you guys are still in the 80s. It's it's getting hot here. Um, It'll it'll be interesting this weekend. Uh, We'll see. We'll see how we all survive. I think everybody just needs to stay in the shade a little bit. Yeah, I agree. agree. Do you have any plans with a TAA this weekend? Are there any events or? Um, There is Empire of Hope which is a new program that was started by Caesars Entertainment. Um, So the two thoroughbred tracks that are having that, and they're doing some just various um, funding, fundraising events at the tracks. It's Indiana Grand and Harris, Louisiana Downs. Um, So we're one of the groups that's benefiting. Um, The newly created Standard Bread Transition Alliance is another one that's benefiting from that as well which is great, they're, they're modeled after us. Um, so there are a couple of other standard bread tracks in the Caesars Entertainment umbrella mm-hmm. that are doing that. So that's going on this weekend. Um, and yeah, I'm just hoping, uh, going up to the Haskell myself, so I'm hoping that the card stays yeah. just safe with all right. the heat. Um, I know, it has been so, just an intense heat wave yeah. over there. And yeah. It's always a shame when it coincides with such a, a big event like that because everyone wants the safety of the horses and the safety of the spectators. When you get triple digits, it's just very absolutely know, tricky. So. Absolutely. I'm going to stay cool this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your work specifically at TAA. And I really don't know very much about when you started. Mm-hmm. I know that it seems to me you've been here quite a while. I've certainly... You know, communicated with you myself and I, I see in all of the press releases mm-hmm. and in the newsletters I always see something from you. I know you're also an accomplished journalist um, but I don't really know how you came to the TAA sort of fold and how your work maybe here has evolved over the years. Or Yeah so first of all I love the intro that you gave us too and for those of you who don't know the TAA mostly does two things. We accredit aftercare organizations so we, you know we make sure that every part of the organization is well run, um, that they take care of the horses. We actually send people out to physically inspect organizations um, through the accreditation process and as an ongoing requirement to keep their accreditation, they have to be inspected every year. Um, So we do that, we have the whole accreditation side and then we also helped fund those organizations by awarding annual grants. So currently of 70 accredited organizations with approximately 160 facilities in the US, Canada and Puerto Rico. And last year during our grants, we gave out a little over $3 million. So that was awesome. Um, I came to the TAA in, I think, February of 2018. 
Uh, before that, I was a writer at the Blood Horse. Um, I covered everything from uh, racing and sales and aftercare a little bit. And um, I love the folks up at the Blood Horse. They've been really helpful with getting our message out at the TA. And so I still write um, an inside aftercare column for them every once in a while, whenever I can, <laughs> as much as I can, um, in the Blood Horse Daily. So um, I think there's a couple more that are going to come out soon. So definitely look for that and subscribe to the Blood Horse Daily if you have not. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why I just assumed you'd been a TA longer. I think I remember that aftercare mm -hmm. column. And I, I had associated you with this entire endeavor nationally. Mm -hmm. And you did a good job covering all of that. Thank you. Like it it's much it's so much fun. Yeah, it, it, was, <laughs> it seemed more personal with you, too. And from what I understand, you also volunteer sometimes with aftercare groups mm -hmm. as if you don't do enough already with your day-to-day -day kind of work. So I was impressed to hear that as well. You are too nice. Um, <laughs> so I have been a volunteer at the Makers Mark Secretariat Center, which is one of our credit organizations. Um, I started volunteering there around 2008, 2009 when I was in college. Um, I interned there during 2010 during the World Equestrian Games when they were at the Kentucky Horse Park, which right. was interesting. Um, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, after I came back to Kentucky after a few years in Chicago and New York, um, I went back to the Secretariat Center. I'm slowly getting back into riding. Um, and it's been great. I love going out there. I, you know, help, help however I can. Right. Helped at Briarfest this past weekend. We had a, you know, New Vocations was one of our accredited organizations as well. They had a presence at Briarfest. Um, the Thoroughbred Makeover was also at Briarfest. So it was right. cool. It's a little crazy, but so yeah, I'm just happy to do uh, whatever I can. It's great. Well, it seems like your entire life right now is revolving around Thoroughbreds, aftercare, mm -hmm particularly, but just in general. Of course, you live in Lexington, which is also kind of a big part of that. Mm -hmm. So I always appreciate people who really kind of always were with the thoroughbreds professionally. Um, as a journalist for the Blood Horse, that counts, even if you were maybe yes. riding horses <laughs> then. And my background was so much more varied. I didn't go to the backside of a track until I was in my 30s. Uh -huh. And I just fell in love with it. I worked in an office. I was a finance administrative director for nonprofits uh -huh. in Washington, D.C., and that was it for me. I just really got interested and intrigued by X racehorses and eventually founded Lope under the most bizarre circumstances. So I always admired people who had like a normal progression into the world of the thoroughbreds and aftercare and less... Uh, less sort of melodramatic than me. But that's, you know, that's what it takes just going to the track and seeing these magnificent animals and experiencing the passion that these people have. Um, I love going to the backside in the mornings. I mean, there's nothing like me it, too. especially during big, you know, big race days, like leading up to the Kentucky Derby is a little crazy, but all the energy there, everybody's just so excited. And I mean, obviously going to the races during the day is phenomenal too. And just, you know, seeing people so dedicated to these animals is, is just great. So. Absolutely. And when I first started with Lope, we originally were a listing service too. So we had the adoption farm, but we also would go, this is before smartphones. So that was much more of a needed service where we would go and do that locally. Now, national groups like Canner take care of that, do a great job with it mm -hmm. instead. Um, but I would go to the local tracks in Texas and I loved it so much. I'd do the same thing, go in the morning and you get to know the trainers and, and the riders and the grooms. And you know, it's really obvious how much they care for the horses. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they would always call out to me, be, hey lady, hey lady. 
hey lady and it would always be like I have this horse and he's really sweet and it would be like be the toughest most you know sort of world weary looking athletic trainer you know um, close to retirement look, look real kind of just hard and tough and he'd be like I love my horse so much I'm worried about him and you know just it was just very uh, compelling to me and then of course I had not run a farm before and I got a lot of really good advice from people at the track. It was really helpful. And so I think a lot of people sometimes aren't aware who haven't been exposed to the backside of the track, how dedicated and also how knowledgeable a lot of the horsemen are. And uh, I always really appreciate it and it always showed in their horses too. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, um, just because of course I'm kind of like what we do at the TA, um, sometimes at big racing events, um, for example, during uh, Preakness weekend at Pimlico and during um, Pegasus Day at Gulfstream Park, uh, we'll do like a best turned out horse award and it's usually oh, cool. sponsored by one of our sponsors. So um, at Preakness weekend we had Stable Duel and a group of friends from the Maryland Jackie Club sponsor it and then during... Um, Gulfstream Park, Pegasus Day at Gulfstream Park, we had Centennial Farm sponsor it. And it's just really honoring the grooms who, you know, somebody, and most of the horses look fabulous. Like, you, it's very hard to pick one. <laughs> so so we always do that, and we give, we give the grooms a little bit of a cash prize and a, and a bag. And just to see, you know, their eyes light up when we select their horse, they are just so proud. Oh. I mean, obviously, they get a gift with it, but they are just so proud of their work being recognized. And the whole barn really comes together for things like that. So it's a blast. I love doing that. that is I so love cool. presenting those awards. Yeah. You know? it really it can, you can have like a real family environment back there in the shed rows and it is not necessarily that you have to be the biggest trainer or training barn you know I, I dealt with a lot of kind of small family run you know shed rows mm -hmm. and it really was kind of homey and uh, so I know that all of that all of the trainers that I knew and worked with daily and that everybody appreciates the aftercare because the organization that TAA has been able to bring to the process has been so beneficial and for people who want to give money who want to support aftercare but want to, the reassurance that it's an organization that meets standards not just care standards but financial standards governance standards professionalism really is what it comes down to and without TAA it was a little scattered it was a little it was a lot harder to find like what are the best groups and uh, for the smaller groups like I represent, it's been it's been huge because people know that we are of the right level of care and competence. It's it's hard to get accredited, and um, you know we think it should be hard to get accredited. Exactly. Michael Blowen of Old Friends always jokes that he would rather be audited by the IRS than go through <laughs> TA accreditation, which I can understand, but it does bring a certain level to those organizations that have earned it and some of them I mean as you know obviously are just very very proud of that yes. um, and it means something to display our accreditation seal on their websites and on their materials and say yes we are TA accredited obviously the grants are great too yes, but we, we do love the grants yeah. <laughs> I, I won't do yeah that. yeah but it, it's it's earned it, it feels well earned it doesn't that's the other thing that's been so good for the aftercare organizations with TAA is that if we are meeting our standards and we are doing good work, we know that we qualify for the grants. And those are grants we would not be able to find on our own, speaking again for smaller organizations. Mm -hmm. And and it allows us to do things. Lope has expanded now where we primarily work with war horses and we take in war horses from all over 
the country. And that would not have been possible before TAA accreditation. I love hearing things like that, and we've heard similar things from our other accredited organizations that, you know, not to go back to old friends again, but they, since they have accreditation, they could um, get more loans from their bank to purchase more land to help more horses. And other organizations have become stronger in governance. Right. So they can then secure more funds from other sources. And, you know, yeah, obviously our grants are, are strong too, but it is it just brings a whole other factor. And once that you have an outside group coming and being like, yes, this organization is good. We've reviewed your financials. We've reviewed all of your documents. We've physically looked at your horses. We've looked at your facility. I mean, it's a crazy detailed process, right? And, and right it now, should be. <laughs> and it should be. And right now, you're in accreditation season, as, mm-hmm. as I like to call it. Yeah. Um, and organizations are accredited every two years. Is yes. That correct. And primarily, that application is in the spring, and then you spend the spring, summer, early fall. Is that right? And so it opens um, in January, is when the accreditation application opens so people can go online and start filling out those forms and going through that process. And um, anybody who hasn't done it before, I mean, we always display all the forms and everything on our website, and we display the, the minimum requirements. Right. So that's kind of the first thing you should look at if you're thinking of becoming accredited is just look right there. Do you meet the minimum requirements? If you're confused about anything, I mean, we are very good at answering questions immediately, mm-hmm. guiding you through the process as much as we can, um, and just kind of yes, you can get accredited, no, maybe you need to go and do this first. Um, So there are some basic requirements. But um, other than that, yeah, the application closes. I think it closed April 1st this year. Don't quote me on that exact (laughs) number. Um, So it closed then. Then we start reviewing everything. Um, We have an entire accreditation committee that kind of goes through all of that stuff. all the files. I mean, I know myself, I'm not super involved with it in my job here, but I do do a lot of just looking through, um, because we do look through this too, which sounds a little crazy and very <laughs> detailed, but I'm, I look through organizations marketing and their education programs and cool. how's their website and can things be improved. And I mean, that might not seem like the biggest social deal. Media social, social media, media presence. presence right. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. things like that. And like anything, and it's not, you know, really to call anybody out or scold anybody for doing things that's just okay or it's pulling good examples of social media too like you guys did a great job on this we love seeing this type of stuff this did you know really well um and maybe sharing those best practices with our other groups so we look at all that stuff and it's 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 a little crazy to say that that we do but we look at everything yes it's impressive yeah it also it's an informal way to open up mentoring between the aftercare groups you know, I notice when a group does a great job with social media, for example, and I pay attention to that and how can we emulate that. But I don't know if I would have noticed that before if I mm-hmm. didn't feel like well, I'm, I'm linked to this other group. There's, there is like that you s- said, the sharing of best practices, mm-hmm. and that's kind of developed organically. Mm-hmm. And I find that very valuable too. Yeah, and um, I mean, Janice does a great job. Janice, our accreditation manager, um, does a great job kind of mentoring groups through that process but once you do get accredited I mean there's so there's so much learning that can happen from organization to organization or volunteer to volunteer and just kind of things like that that now that there is this national network of connected organizations and 
How do they work with each other in other ways besides, you know, maybe sharing, oh, I need to get a horse from this place to this place. Um, So it's interesting to see that evolve. And I I love hearing things that groups are kind of looking at what others are doing. And I, you know, not necessarily in a competitive way because I understand that it can be like that. But if everybody can, you know, elevate their level a little bit, we it kind of all gets raised up together. Right. right? Exactly. Well, last spring... A lope in the Caribbean Thurbid Aftercare Group, we did a joint project. We did a clinic in Puerto Rico. We brought in a horseman who had worked for Bill Shively for many, many years. And just uh, an incredible horseman, really understood what it takes to bring up horses to perform well and also how to do good foundation techniques for safe handling, which can be, you know, a factor um, when you have barn staff coming in and out that maybe aren't as well trained at first. You know, they're still in that preliminary phase. Mm-hmm. And that came about because we took in a couple of war horses from CTA and we really got interested and partnered up. It was just a couple of horses, but it led to this educational clinic and it was great. I really had fun planning it. Lope has good relationships with horsemen that are slightly outside the industry, but who are very pro-racing. And so it worked out really well. Again, pre-TAA, I don't know if that would have happened. Yeah. Uh, For one thing, they, after the hurricanes there, one of the horses they sent to us it was mandatory that he go to a TA accredited group and that's how we connected up. So mm-hmm. right there that you know, again just never would have happened without TA. Yeah, yeah, and I, I love hearing things like that and I love seeing our groups work together kind of organically without really us getting involved and just watching it happen. Yeah. It's like almost like a proud like parent moment. That's a weird <laughs> thing to say, but yeah, it's great. I love it. You guys were a catalyst, but it's also is setting a standard too, mm-hmm. which I think again, just kind of coming back to that. And you treat all of the aftercare organizations with the same level of standard. So I know that I've gone through the same process as the biggest group and mm-hmm. vice versa. And so there's a real kind of respect that is gained by being accredited that I think goes across the organizations as well. We all feel like we're colleagues. We always were, but we didn't maybe know each other as well. We didn't mm-hmm. understand you know, the best practices too that we can share. Mm-hmm. So, and now just to kind of go into your, your real, mm-hmm. your real forte, the communications and marketing, what are some of the, the interesting challenges or the things that you're working on right now where, where you see that there's a stronger need for marketing or more communication, or is it just ongoing all the time? So I think one of the things that, um, you know, we we're trying to get out more from our our marketing at the TA and everything like that. Um, we're still very new. Um, we're a young organization. Um, you know, it was fully incepted, I think, in 2012. And um, so not everybody, obviously, you know, obviously our credit organizations know how detailed this accreditation process is and the things that we look at, but not necessarily everybody in the industry understands that. And so that's one thing that we're we're trying to get out there more and trying to explain to people because it's not the most interesting topic either. Like we're not saying like, Oh yes, we're, you know, looking through all these financial documents, look at what we do. It's like, that's not, we're the auditing arm for the aftercare. It's not, it's not, it's not, yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's not like a fun necessarily topic to talk about. And it's not something that's super catchy either, but I think, and I really, really think that more and more people are understanding the importance of TA accreditation. More organizations are wanting to be accredited right. to live up to that standard um, 
the industry is has always embraced us and I think that individual members of the industry, whether or not they have anything to do with aftercare, are starting to get this more and more. And I think, you know, that that'll just continue on as as we continue on too. But since we are still very new, that's that's been an interesting thing to deal with. But it's exciting. It's an exciting time. Yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of momentum in the last just even two years. Like it was steady, steady, and then aftercare as a concept, as sort mm -hmm. of a way of life, is really permeated the industry. And it was always there. Again, I mean, all of the, the trainers I dealt with one-on-one -on -one were always into aftercare. They didn't call it aftercare, but there was this point of pride that was part of being a good horseman that you looked out for your horses the best way that you could. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's part of it, is as TAA continues to gain momentum in aftercare, Aftercare is a word. I feel like you guys almost introduced that term. It's such a professional way to look at it. And um, it makes sense, industry aftercare. And that's another just interesting element I think you've brought to the industry is putting that into this entirely different category. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we can take credit fully for aftercare. I don't even, I'm not sure um, where exactly that word even originated, but you know, just as we were talking about our organizations being proud to be accredited, our supporters are proud as well to support the TA because they they get what goes into that accreditation process and they understand that the grants that we give out go to equine care and it is taking care of horses. Mm -hmm. um, so it's cool to see, you know, I, I love seeing our organizations proudly say that they are TA accredited, but I love seeing our supporters say, yeah, we support the TA, we support TA accredited organizations. So that's cool too. That is really cool. Yeah. And I, for the listeners who aren't as familiar with the thoroughbred industry and TAA, I just want to point out that TAA partners with the racing industry. That's where the funding comes from. You guys aren't mm -hmm. having necessarily bake sales. You know, most of your, not all of your funding, from what I understand, comes from partnerships within the industry. And that also is something that allows, again, for the organizations that are accredited to have access to funders we never would have been able to reach on our own. Exactly. And that's that's the the best way to say that. And that's, you know, what I've kind of said before is some of the the funding segments that we have. Please do not ask me to list all of them. There are very many. Um, but list them now. It's a quiz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are available on our website and in our magazine, too. So if everybody wants to see um, those people who have um, some, and industries who have supported us, it's it's all in there. But um, but yeah, some of the avenues that we have for funding are not necessarily available to um, our organizations, individual organizations. For as, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and to kind of play off that, I mean, it's um, sales companies, owners, trainers, breeders, stallion farms, racetracks, horse players. Um, other um, aftercare supporters, other organizations, pretty much anything in the industry, um, you name it, somebody out of that category supports us. That's so so it's, it's crazy to look at and it's really, it's almost humbling in a way to, to know that they, yeah. they are behind us and they're behind our organization. Right. So. They believe in what you're doing, mm -hmm. it's important. And uh, now as we kind of get to, to the phase of the interview that's my favorite, um, and usually all this time as we've been talking, I've been paying attention to come up with, with a one big question at the end that I think sums up everything. All right. Erin's Aaron, <laughs> looking super nervous now. And, and this is my question for you. Um, so you've been involved 
for many years now, career-wise, as a journalist, mm -hmm. The Blood Horse and Associated Publications, now part of TAA, Maker's Mark College. Mm -hmm. When are you getting an ex-racehorse, Erin? <laughs> you know, I've thought about it a little bit, um, and I kind of am just going to let um, a horse come to me that if I found, way. I know, <laughs> um, I do ride occasionally at the Secretariat Center. Um, so, and you know, in other, I do ride in other places too. Um, so if I happen to see something that I like, I, I'm just going to let the horse decide. I think, that's I think good. that's what I'm going to let well, it happen. And I have to tell you that I will be sending a copy of this podcast to every aftercare group <laughs> that is TAA accredited. So you will, I'm, I'm sure, sure I'll get a bunch of them. Yeah. 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 I can't thank you enough for, for what you do working with TAA, but also just that personal dedication. Like I said, I was very impressed that you had volunteered and you've taken it to another level. I'm sure many people who, who had your job would like just want to play with Cocker Spaniel puppies all the time and never be I do love dogs too. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, so I really appreciate that and I uh, appreciate what you bring to your job specifically. It's, it's clearly personal. It's not just another job. And I thank you for being on the podcast, Erin. It was great to meet you. Well, thank you for the kind words. Um, that's that's so, so nice. And, you know, I think our team here, we're just, we're really dedicated. Um, we're very laid back. It's a fun staff. We just want to do a good job for the industry and for our organization. So well, thank you so much for having you. me. <laughs> I really should. I recorded this episode with Erin in July of 2019, and I waited all the way till October to release it. The reason was I was hoping Aaron would adopt a horse at the Retired Racehorse Project's Thoroughbred Makeover, and I'm happy to report that she did. During the event, she adopted a beautiful gelding named Turbo Booster through the Mid-Atlantic Horse Rescue, which is a TAA-accredited organization. Congratulations to Aaron and Turbo. I look forward to seeing them in the show ring in 2020.